Yeah, Mom, welcome to another episode of the Natalie Stanier Show. Yay! Natalie, leg kicking, hot news. Ow! Natalie, look at that. Ponytail. I posted uh, one of our episodes the other day, and somebody commented and said, this is the one where Nat gets leggy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, that's pretty much every one of them. I'm leggy today. No, You're pretty leggy. Bad. You're kind of shiny. Is when it- are you getting your hair done? Tomorrow. Yeah, getting rid of the going to wash that gray rag yes. out of my hair. I had gray though in, in like in my yeah. early thirties. Well, that's the cost of being a brunette, honey. It's wisdom. It's something. <laughs> Chance, the ginger soulless rapper, is at the helm today. Do you know how to drive this thing? Okay, <laughs> I'm learning as we go. God, he's a liberal. And he, his love language. It's his he love said, language. I'm is, a liberal is, is moron. Liberal progressive. That's oh, his love language. that's what it was. My good buddy David Smalley is coming on the show later on. He's a liberal. I like him. He's a good guy. He's very argumentative. We'll see how that goes. Uh-oh. Yeah, he and I debate. Uh, Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, is sitting over there with a gay pride hat on. Was that a <laughs> rainbow? Not- is that a rainbow? We should take back the rainbow. God gave us the rainbow as a sign of covenant. Rainbow. I love the rainbow. I love gays. Promise. I love gays. I do too. Um, I'm. I'm. We're about to come to Texas Gun Experience with one of my favorite gays. Yes. Uh, well, she's a lesbian. I don't know what to call them anymore. Labesian. Labesians. Labesian. Uh, yeah, we're gonna come over there and shoot. She's never shot a gun. Okay. Ariel Scarella. Yes. She's awesome. Yeah. Used to be a liberal too. Yeah. Liberals I'm, and gays, they always show up. Yeah. Yeah. Too much? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to have a fun time on the show. Uh, like I said, David Smalley's coming on. He's not He's not gay, but he is liberal. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Single, though. I don't know. Uh, is he cute? Gonna be, yeah, well, he's cute. He's a good-looking man. Okay. Good-looking man. Uh, anyway, I uh, we're going to have fun today. I got some topics we're going to get into. Candace has provided me with some stuff that reminded me of stuff that happened earlier in the week. And I hold that information in my hands we're going to talk about it but before we do i've told you about deborah i've told you about deborah deborah lost her home she didn't sell it she lost it and she was the victim of home title fraud that is an absolutely devastating crime can you imagine no you're just living in your house and then all of a sudden it's not yours anymore listen Home title fraud is not covered by insurance or identity theft services. The only folks that you can trust out there to protect your home title is home title lock. Now, here's what happens, and it can happen to all of us. Cyber thieves, they go online, they discover the title to your home that is kept online. They can forge your name on the deed stating you sold your home, and then they'll refile as a new owner. They'll borrow against it and leave you with the bills. You can actually be evicted from your home. You get an eviction notice in a house you own. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. And the instant they detect somebody tampering with it online, they mobilize to shut it down. First things first, I want you to go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim. They'll tell you. And you may not even know this. They'll tell you. Then I want you to use code CHAD for 30 free days of protection. That is code CHAD at HomeTitleLock.com. Go there this afternoon. You know what I am talking about. Jays. 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 
Do Alma, my soul, me corazón. Si. Si. Oh, Natalie, John Kasich. Mm. Uh, does anybody care what John Kasich does? Anyone. I mean, anyone on the planet. Does anyone care what John Kasich does or says? He's apparently supporting Joe Biden at the Democratic Convention. You want to talk about just a, just a rampant uh, need to feel relevant. Come on, dude. It's like Mitt Romney, man. Just keeps popping up. You know what I'm saying? Desperate to keep yourself relevant. I guess it keep. He's not relevant. Mm -hmm. John Kasich, I mean, former Ohio governor, right? Mm -hmm. He's not relevant. He ran for president, failed. Um, These guys, they're just so they're so anti-Trump. You know, go back and watch the episode uh, from Tuesday night with Roger Stone. Roger summed it up. He said he can't be controlled. That's why they hate him. They hate Trump because he can't be controlled. And it's true. So, I mean, you got these guys like John John Kasich. Who cares? And then Trader Joe's. You ever, get, you ever shop at Trader Joe's? I, I have a couple of times. Yeah. It's not my normal go-to. Get the two-buck chuck, a $2 wine They have there. some beef jerky there that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's what I've gotten. I'm not there. a jerky fan. Not You're not? A, no, not really. Okay, some, I, some I'll eat, but I don't like go search it out. And I've never okay. put one of those Slim Jim things in my mouth. It's weird. Ugh, never. I've never put a meat stick I the, the, like I the honestly, meat don't come in that shape. Well, you'd be surprised. Uh-uh. <laughs> meat doesn't naturally come in that shape. I don't want it. But I do eat chicken nuggets. Uh, Trader I Joe's. I definitely put meat sticks in my mouth. Okay, we're all for that. Oh, okay. Uh, Trader Joe's plans to remove ethnic names. <laughs> I love you, Natalie. I love you. Uh, There's a petition calling for the removal of um, of any ethnic thing. So you can't have, I guess, Mexican cuisine like Trader Mings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of their products. Or Trader Jose. Or Chinese products, Arabian Joes for Middle Eastern dishes. Yeah. Uh, Trader Jose's. That's what they call it. Yeah, yeah. For the Mexican. So I, you know what? The two buck Chuck. My name is Chad. People might call me Chuck. Mm-hmm. I'm against it. Who cares? Yeah, right. Two Buck Chuck, you got to change that name. for, And I stand with all Chucks when I say that in solidarity with my Chuck brothers. Mm-hmm. Chuck, Chuck, Bubuck, Banana, okay. Fanta. Okay. Uh, that's dumb. But you know what? Speaking of traitors, I, I say that because <laughs> Alan West just uh-huh. won. I never heard of that guy. I know. It's a brand new name. Congratulations to him. Uh, man, the haters came out from the left just calling a traitor. I saw another city leader in the DFW area call him a coon. Call him a coon. Yeah, I, stop calling people coons. What? Man. How is that okay? It's not. I mean, listen. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Colonel West could give two. He he, he doesn't care. care. He ain't got time because because he's a big man. He's a mature man, right? He's he, a man. He's a, he's got thick skin. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No. That dude's seen action. Right. He really don't give a shit about your opinion of him. Mm-hmm. And the other thing on that, and he wouldn't approve of me saying that, but I'm saying it. The other thing about Al West, I call him Al. Oh, gosh. LT call Al West. <laughs> <laughs> LT call. LTC Al West. I'll okay. tell you nothing about Al West. Okay. Uh, he could take any one of those people in uh, intellectual match at Ooh. any given time. So they're just proving their ignorance and their stupidity. Mm-hmm. Anyway, again, I think it's it's trying to be relevant 
if you associate your name with somebody as big as Lieutenant Colonel West, maybe you'll get some attention. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And so, like, there was a guy doing. on Twitter the other morning who uh, I won't say his name because he doesn't deserve it uh, to the shout out, but he's former uh, morning show host in the DFW area, and he made a comment under. Uh, Bud Kennedy, who is the he writes for the food and the entertainment section, whatever for the Star Telegram. He's whatever. Bud Kennedy kind of took a jab at me, and in one tweet had four facts wrong. Ugh, okay. Had four facts wrong in just one tweet, and I'm like, talk about fake news, Bud. Come on. So a guy that was a former morning host in DFW, he said I. Uh, had Chad on my show. I had Prather on my show when he first got started, and boy, do I regret it. Something like that. Is it who I'm trying to get on our show? Uh, Your show. Excuse no. me. I don't no. know who you're trying to get. Ron Corning? No. Okay. Uh, and and I, I was like, you did? You do? I mean, I don't remember. I do a lot of radio and yeah. TV and stuff. I don't remember. And so, good buddy of mine actually took his job and I said, you should have had me on more like Jeff Miles did. Maybe you'd still have that gig. <laughs> Good for you. I uh, sorry. Oh, uh, Timestamp that. that. Timestamp that. Uh, and when it couldn't get any dumber, Black Power Naps is addressing systemic racism in sleep. Oh, you heard it right, folks. Now, can you imagine if it was a white power nap? <laughs> white power? That wouldn't work. Nope. But black power naps. That That's works. Okay. So the whole deal is is basically, and I read this article the other day about it, where it says um, uh, because blacks historically weren't allowed to get good sleep because they were obviously enslaved, right? So, so that carries over to today. They feel the pressure of systemic racism, so they can't really rest at night or even get a good nap. So they need a siesta. Well, that's racist, but whatever. <laughs> Probably. I don't even know anymore. It's just gotten that dumb. Okay. A um, lot of, uh, I won't say what I was going to say, but yeah, that's just kind of dumb. Uh, Massachusetts restaurant ends dress code that targeted blacks. A racist dress code, apparently. Um, I got the hiccups, girl. You hear that? I heard it deep. So they had a policy that prohibited baggy blue jeans, long white T-shirts, do-rags, and baseball caps worn backwards. Uh, there's a lot of places like that, right? Um, and and the reason that they do that is because of gang affiliations. They don't care what color you are. Mm -hmm. It's just like if in some places you can't wear patches if you go to a motorcycle Correct. deal that represents a motorcycle club. Right? You can't go in there and patch up. You can't go up there because it represents a gang. Right. Dumbasses. Biker lives matter. Mm. BLM. It works. <laughs> um, yeah. Russian elites were reportedly given access to experimental coronavirus vaccines. That's happening. Did you see where Maxine Waters intervened uh, with the guy that yes. was pulled over by the LAPD? Yes. So Maxine comes walking and said, I saw a brother in trouble and I want to see what's up. Mm -hmm. That was my Maxine impression. Okay, nailed it. I'm not wearing a hat backwards. I am now. There it is. Oh. Now, Maxine, <laughs> here's the thing, and everybody wants to talk about systemic racism. All right. If everything was systemically racist, then why was black 
Maxine Waters allowed to approach an officer in the midst of him doing his duty. Why wasn't she handcuffed? Why wasn't she beaten? Why wasn't she restrained? Why wasn't she gagged? Why wasn't she, you know, put in the back of a car? No, a black woman came up and mm -hmm. intervened in the middle. Well, that kind of throws your whole systemic racism thing out the door, right? She, she was allowed to do it. I don't care if she's a congressperson or what she is. She's a black woman, a black woman in power. How does that happen in an overtly, completely racist system like America? Oh, my God. Gives her permission to walk up to police officers while they're in the middle of yeah. their, Doing their duty and say, my brother could have been in trouble. And by and the I way, before you complain, that is what she said. They stopped a brother. So I stopped to see what they were doing. Uh, ain't they, your damn business, Maxine. Impeach. Peach. And if, if he is in trouble, what is she going to do? There was a woman that peed on the floor at the Verizon place because she wouldn't wear a mask. She peed on the floor. That's something you would do. No. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. No. Not on purpose. Uh, majority of U.S. voters believe American society is racist. That's in a poll. Did you get polled? I haven't been polled. Candace, you get polled? Chance? You liberal. <laughs> you would think of all people. Chance. Mm -hmm. I didn't get polled. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi uh, calls coronavirus the Trump virus. Okay, Nancy. The world's gone crazy. I think y'all are getting the picture. Boy, we got a big show in line for you. My buddy David Smalley coming right up. We will be right back. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, got a buddy of mine uh, who's on the show with us today, David C. Smalley, host of the David C. Smalley Show. You can get it wherever podcasts are offered. He uh, he and I got to know each other when we were the, with another producer, uh, and he was hosting Dogma Debate, which is, uh, you can still go back and get those episodes. Very interesting stuff. Long shows to listen to, but they're good and very informative. Debates on religion, <laughs> the existence of God, all kind of fun stuff, but he's broadened and expanded his uh, horizons and perspectives on a lot of different things and so now it's the david c smalley show so uh welcome to the show david smalley dave how are you buddy i'm good man thanks for having me i uh i saw your episode with roger stone i couldn't be outdone <laughs> with the hat i know you guys are you guys are big fans of hats and i wanted to bring my hat game yeah so thanks and, for having me and since it's the end of the week i'm just kind of in the ball cap I, i'm in the shorts i didn't even put i haven't worn socks in three months dude i this yeah truth is Look, I get it. Truth is, I'm a liberal. Never worked construction a day in my life. It's a prop. I'm not wearing that. So, <laughs> get a job. <laughs> no, we uh, the uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. And I, I we've been we've been talking about this for a minute, and and it's been crazy around here. We've been uh, extremely skeletonized with with a lot yeah. of things with all this stuff. How's the coronavirus treating you out in L.A.? How how is everything? How's life? How's is it, everything shut down, man? A lot of people don't know this about me. I am an avid bowler. Like, that's how I kept weight off. I mean, believe it or not, I, I used my Apple Watch to, like, detect it. In two and a half hours of bowling, I burned 1,280 calories. Seriously. Um, 
Yeah, man, because I just bowl by myself, and it's just it's kind of like high interval training. Like I just it's a big exertion, and then waiting for ten seconds, the ball comes back at another exertion. Um, I start feeling like I'm gonna pass out if I don't drink a lot of water. Like it's it's pretty intense if you go by yourself and and stick with it. And that's how I was keeping the weight off. And when the whole lockdown came, I just kept eating the same. And I think like a lot of us, I just ate my feelings and wasn't bowling. So I started gaining a bunch of weight. And I'm like, I'm really ready for the bowling alley to be open because I was going three or four days a week. So uh, that's the biggest thing I miss. For the most part, I'm one of the fortunate ones, much like you, where I I make my living doing this. I mean, I I can sit at home. I, I miss going to the studio, but I can sit at home and I can do this here and still make probably 75% of, of my income. So I'm doing all right. I'm not as good as it was, but I'm definitely doing a, a lot better than a lot of people out there who lost, you know, their entire livelihood. Yeah. And you've been affected. I, obviously you, you, and I didn't mention this, but you do stand up comedy. You've had a standing gig there at the comedy store for a while now. And that's, that's definitely influenced you and me in terms of being able to go out. Hopefully that'll ease up. It's easing up in some parts of the country, but California still kind of shut down, aren't they? Yeah, completely. They they opened the other day to say that you know they could do drinks outside on the patio, mm. and then they were gonna let comedians like go like into the main room and do comedy. And they were gonna stream it to the TVs outside. It's just not catching on. I mean, people are trying, but you know you got to stay six feet apart, one person allowed at the bar at a time. Um, the patio is pretty small at the comedy store, so they're opening up a back area to come sit down, and that means the guys like me who had my own shows are put on hold even further because they're only you know they're at such limited capacity capacity they're putting all their promotional eggs in one basket so i'm just i've just got to wait my turn man and set it out but uh i feel bad for a lot of the people like the 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 workers there like most of the workers there are comedians who are like earning their spot on stage Mm -hmm. and it just put a a hold on everybody's career in in comedy you know i've got a few friends that are working i know you've been doing some traveling and some working but it's really rare to get that kind of work right now people don't understand if you're doing comedy if you can't control the room it just throws everything off it's going to mess your timing up and everything and that is a small patio there at the store so that's a pretty rough deal but i mean you you mentioned it you're a liberal what do you how do you how would you rank and rate gavin newsom's performance through this coronavirus thing probably about in the middle i think he's trying to do the best that he can but the thing about the thing about liberal uh leaders i think this is probably one of the biggest differences the thing about liberal leaders is is they often, um, I guess, I think um, you could look at it as a good thing and say that they're better at listening to their constituency and changing based on what the constituency wants. But in reality, I think they're just afraid of like backlash and outrage. And because I don't know if you've noticed, but the left um, has a little bit of a tendency to have a mob aspect to it on certain on certain certain fringes yeah. now that's not the majority of those liberals but i think uh it tends to be a little more scary uh for for liberal leaders i think he's done okay i mean it's it, this is this is unprecedented and nobody knows exactly what to do or exactly how to handle it it's uncharted yeah. waters for all of us we listen to the experts and the experts change their minds it's confusing it's scary i think gavin newsom has done a good job for the most part i mean we our numbers went down quick and then they started rising quick when we reopened so i think it's pretty clear that reopening we probably reopened too fast yeah and i think that's across the board and and again you're right i think we're navigating waters that people have never been in so uh nobody really knows what to do um right you know what what do you think about what's going on i mean in terms of in terms of like you was wearing you were wearing the hard hat it made me think of Chaz and chop up in seattle i mean that that was a crazy little experiment did you keep up with that very much 
I did. I did. From what I heard, I have several uh, fans and friends up there in Portland and and mm-hmm. and, and Seattle area. That whole that whole sort of hippie liberal, you know, West Coast vibe. People were going to Chaz and saying, like, they were calling me and FaceTiming me from Chaz and going, dude, what the media is saying is not exactly what's happening. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's not like they, they claimed it was. Um, but at the same time, uh, if I were the president, even being a liberal, I wouldn't want my you know, entire you know group of six city blocks taken over by a mob, even if they were a friendly mob. Right. You know, there's just certain aspects of business that needs to run and certain aspects of streets that need repaired and water leaks and water lines and ambulances that need to get through. I mean, you, you can't just shut down an entire city block. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with the way Trump is handling it right now with like these unarmed vehicles and federal officers arresting people and taking them to unknown locations. And <laughs> it's getting out of hand and a little crazy. And the way he's dealing with it is scary, but extremes beget other extremes i don't, and I think David, I don't know what us, to do when you and i agree on stuff i don't know what to do with myself <laughs> right now like i feel awkward i mean but i agree with you completely i i don't agree with what the what president trump's doing either i don't uh, you know i'm i'm against it so uh i feel real strange right now agreeing with you <laughs> well then let's talk about black lives matter or god <laughs> well Jesus, let's, let's talk about let's, let's get into that because you and i were talking you you mentioned the thing you you kind of had a uh what's your stance on the whole defund the police thing i mean because we talked about that a little bit and and where are you standing on it now i think liberals in general have a a marketing problem Mm -hmm. i think that the way we tend to say things is misleading but it gets people talking and if that's the overall goal then i guess it's kind of effective Uh, but abolish police defund police if you just look at the headline or just think about the words, it sounds absurd. And when the conservatives go, that's insane, there's no way you can abolish police. I go, on one hand, you're right. On another hand, that tells me you've never looked into it. You just heard the words abolish or defund and you right. thought it was absurd. Right. New Jersey actually, uh, Camden, New Jersey actually did this. And what they did is they actually dismantled their entire department and then rebuilt it with a smaller staff and then leveraged a lot of those funds to go to mental health workers and mm-hmm. social workers and things like that. I think it could be more effective from a marketing perspective to say, you know what? We stand with cops. Sounds weird, right? Mm-hmm. But when cops say they're overworked and they have to deal with too much, we agree. A man with a bulletproof vest and a firearm should not be chasing my dog down the street. Right. Right. A man with a bulletproof vest and an AR-15 in his car shouldn't have to knock on my door to ask me to turn my music down. There could be a code enforcement officer do that. There could be um, more animal control officers. There should definitely be more mental health experts because I think the idea behind defund police is when cops show up with this like a little bit of an attitude that cops have to have like i'm here and if you get out of line you're going to be dominated with their chest bowed out and the intimidation factor and all the all the weaponry that can escalate a situation that wasn't originally going to cause an outburst so the idea of defund police really just means cops are overworked we agree you let's take some of the pressure off let's have you only respond to violent things or things that could potentially go violent Mm -hmm. and let's bring in people who are specialized in compassion and psychology and human care as opposed to human domination yeah and i know that uh in this meme generation right that we even on the right have jumped into this whole thing where you see a violent situation you know however many 17 people shot in chicago and they say tongue-in-cheek but to make a point well send in a social worker right uh obviously i don't think anybody is saying that 
exactly you know in any way shape or form but the problem that i have with it dave and i want you to speak to this is the people who do mean that because there are some people uh who hear that they're anti-police you know the acab you know all cops are bad people they want it gone they want it abolished i mean i've seen that on on my own you know social media feeds where people have said no we want to abolish it because they've read the headline too and have not looked into it what do you say to those folks yeah i uh we have a, a name for those people on the left we call them morons um <laughs> we that's, here's that's the thing but shockingly we do the same thing on the right we, we share that verbiage i understand <laughs> um you know there are people on the right that i'm sure you see or hear and it makes you cringe and go man you're making us look bad please shut up 100 you know yep. that, that that's that's what those folks are for us there's even an article that some conservative friends of mine started screenshotting and sending to me going, the headline of the article said, when we say abolish, we mean abolish the police. Mm -hmm. And that's the screenshot and that's the headline. But if you read that article, even that author says, no, we don't literally mean to abolish all police. So it's, again, it's back to that bad marketing problem because a ton of conservatives started sharing that. I got to be honest with you, Chad. I talk to a lot of these folks. Uh, I even disagree with some of the more extreme views on the left as a liberal. And even the any any time we dive into that, we I've I've yet to come across an actual human being that says we don't need any police at all. Yeah, that's just because everyone knows if if you're you know someone in your family is being harmed or raped or there's an active break in, you want police to show up. I mean that's a normal thing, but you know. We need to listen to these marginalized communities and we need to pay attention to the fact that, you know, uh, if you're black, you're 18% more likely to have guns drawn on you. And if you're black, you're 24% more likely for cops to go hands on with you. Well, if a cop's 24% more likely to grab a black man out of a car than he is you or I, we, they, they might be more likely to fight back or feel uh, oppressed or, or be like, man, get your hands off me. And Especially if it's the seventh time it's happened that year. They might mm-hmm. just be fed up. So we have to think about what cops may be doing inadvertently or because of poor training or bad um, maybe uh, de-escalation tactics or whatever. That we need, to, we need to invest that money in training. We need to invest that money in body cam footage. Because another thing, you know, cops have to activate that body camera on their own. Yeah. And a recent study showed that uh, only 37% of um, excessive force claims – were recorded with body cam. So when that when the when the body cams are turned on, there was some reduction of like 70% reduction in violence when the body cam was on. Yeah. So clearly cops need oversight as well. And you know, I've I don't know of a person who says to completely get rid of police. And even when when Camden goes, hey, we abolished police, you know who's saying that? The Camden, New Jersey police. Mm-hmm. So how can they be saying they were abolished if they exist? Yeah. Well, because they're walking around doing community policing. They have about half the force that they did, and more of their funding is going to mental health care, and crime is dropping drastically. So we need to look at cities like that, take that as an example, and move forward. Yeah, and obviously, when you're looking at Camden, New Jersey, you're looking at a different situation than the south side of Chicago, as I brought up in a, in a point, right? You're going to have that. Uh and, well, I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you, I, I saw video of, of 14 people get shot this morning. Uh, they didn't happen this morning. I saw the video this morning uh, standing outside of a funeral service there in Chicago. Uh, it, it, I, you know, you don't see that coming out of Camden, New Jersey, like you do a place like Chicago. Well, you used to. Camden was one of the high, had one of the highest crime rates. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's that's why they are a success story for the defund police movement. Yeah. Um, they they were really bad. And I think, listen, America's approach to crime has quite often been go dominate the city. Mm-hmm. Send in police as an occupying force and and crush them until they can't commit crime anymore. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Just like the war on drugs doesn't work. It, it, it you're not going to beat war. Just like you can't like Trump called himself a wartime president when it comes to coronavirus, but he has no plan to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. How are you in a war that you're not fighting? That doesn't make any sense to me. So just like the death penalty has no evidence that it actually deters crime we have to stop using stuff that's not working and i think that um this this concept of uh um beating crime to a pulp is not looking at the real problem what actually causes crime is lack of education and low-income areas Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. So we need to help those marginalized, poor communities, build those communities up, build businesses in those communities, give sort of grants and loans and, and, and opportunities for businesses to start up, to create more education so the teachers can be paid more, the schools have more resources, mm-hmm. more after-school programs, extracurricular activities, more people are off the streets, more people are more educated, fewer people commit crimes. Yeah. That's, the, that's the record. And instead of looking at the problem and being reactive, we need to be proactive and preventative in our methods to increase the education and happiness of the people around there, and you have a less likelihood of having crimes commit in the first place. Yeah, David Smalley, host of the David C. Smalley Show. Hang tight. We're coming back with David. We've got more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are with David Smalley, my buddy out in L.A. Uh, we used to have a podcast on the same uh, production company, the same network distributor, whatever you want to call that. Uh, and uh, you need to go back and wa- go back and listen to not only listen to what he's got now, wherever podcasts are offered, the David C. Smalley Show, but go back and listen to Dogma Debate. You, uh, I, I like hanging out with David. I like talking to David because he makes me think about things, and it's weird when we agree on some stuff. Uh, and we tend to be agreeing right now, David. So you think? Let, let me summarize. I'm going to give. I'm just going to give a blatant, overreaching summary of that, and I'm just going to gloss over everything you said and say that you think basically uh, these communities need more social programs. Yeah, they need they need more social programs for sure. They need more help because when we look at what causes crime in the first, place, it's a lack of resources. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and. As far as when it, when it comes into racism, when people talk about systemic racism and then there's people on the right that say there's no such thing as a system, systemic racism, let me just give a quick, if I could, just a quick, quick rundown of what that really means. From 1934 to 1968, 98% of home loans went to white families. That's astonishing. Why, why, why is that? Why did that happen? Well, they redlined certain groups. I think it's called around the, they called it redlining in like the fifties, but it was happening from 1934. They redlined certain groups. And so what happens when your great, great grandfather gets a home loan, buys a house, builds equity in that home, and then sells it to another white family who's getting a loan and buy, takes that equity and buys a bigger home. 
And then that can become a business owner. And he passes that wealth down to to, to your great-grandfather. And then that person can buy a house and sell it to another white family. So that's why you have these, these neighborhoods where they're mostly white suburbs that have barber shops and tax offices and a Walmart and a Target and Whole Foods grocery and all kinds of opportunities. And what that brings is job opportunities. Mm-hmm. So now those people who live in those communities have access to jobs and trucking companies and uh, you know in and out delivery services, food stocking groceries there's there's opportunities for people to work also what pays for schools the taxes on those homes mm-hmm. so the people who live in homes with with bigger with bigger price tags pay more school taxes so the teachers can get paid more you're getting higher quality education higher quality books more resources more extracurricular activities the black families in the redlined areas from 1934 to 1968 didn't get any home loans or only 2% went to those communities so they've been struggling in poverty <clears throat> ever since so they lack resources. They lack education. I was in downtown Baltimore a few days after, uh, not downtown, but in the, in the projects of Baltimore, a few days after Freddie Gray was shot for the for those protests. Mm-hmm. And on my own phone, Chad, I I I, I asked Siri. I said, "Where can I get uh, a, a grocery store? I needed walking distance to a grocery store." There was a corner store, literally across the street which is like uh, Kool-Aid and chips and cookies. Yeah. But to get to an actual grocery store, it was almost an hour walk mm. to get to a local grocery store. Where I live right here in LA, there's a Target literally across the street from me and a Walmart within a mile and a half. But you're talking almost an hour walk to get to one store and you've got this massive block of town where thousands of people are living in Section 8 housing and projects. There are no opportunities for these kids. There are no... There aren't places to work. Well, so what are they no supposed to do about time? You know, there's no question about it. I mean, we are we are a solid 50 years past the Jim Crow era, right? Uh, maybe a little less in some places, certainly. So I give you that in that, you know, obviously redlining mortgages and things like that, that's illegal now. You can't do that anymore. So you, know, you want to see that change. The other thing that's changed is back in 1965, only 25% of black homes uh, were single parent. Now, 75% are single mm-hmm. parents. So there's, there's, there are various issues. And so I, I look at the issues and I say, yes, systemic racism was rampant in America in the, that period of time that you listed off and even before that. But now you have Fortune 500 companies that have uh, C-level executives that are chief, sure. uh, you know, equality officers and things like that. So I, I see where we're making some strides, but I hear what you're saying. And, you know, I look at I look at the employment records of what we were seeing. Why is it when Barack Obama said you can't create these jobs without a magic wand? Suddenly they go to historic lows in terms of unemployment after, you know, two years into a Trump presidency. What do you what what's your take on that? When you say they can't find jobs, obviously they were finding jobs somewhere. Some some aspect of the communities were, uh, and and I think you're right that the the Civil Rights Act of 1964 did a lot mm-hmm. to help that, but still today, right now, there are four million cases of housing discrimination against Black and Hispanic people every year. I mean, 2019, that's yeah. what that's what the numbers were, and it was the same in 2020, same in 2018. I mean, same in 2017. There are about four million. Does and it list right. what the causality is uh, or the causation is of that discrimination? There, there? there are. 
there are breakdowns. Yeah, if you want to look into the research, mm-hmm. there are. But but it tends to be declined of mortgage or or home loans for the same credit score as a white family. That's where the study came from. Yeah, and and doesn't um, need to be happening. I mean that that if that's right, if that's right. the case, of course. I mean we stand against that unilaterally. Right, right, right. And and so the, the, I'm glad you brought this up, and I love the way we're having the discussion because there's there's nuance here that needs to be talked about. Sure. So like you're right. Is there is there anything on the books right now that says? Black people are not allowed to get a mortgage? No. But if you've had power and that power dynamic passed down over four or five generations and you have sort of this idea of these white guys in power that still don't really look at everybody as being equal, they're still likely to make those decisions based on race. And the Institute of Policy Studies determined that it would take 228 years for the average black family to amass the same wealth as an average white family. Mm-hmm. So we're only 50 years past Jim Crow, but we had such a, 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 a massive span of three decades where wealth was only passed down exclusively within white families that it, it just makes it so much more difficult. And on top I don't disagree that, with you at all on that. I mean, it, yeah, you're right. There's nuances to that, but I, but I don't disagree with you on that. I mean, Look, and on top 50, of that, when I say 50 years, I'm not saying that as a long period of time. I'm saying just 50 years, you know, and right. we've got a long ways to go on, on that. Yeah. But I how, mean, much my, that, how much of that, though, how much of that responsibility? Let, let's take let's take the things that you mentioned and set them aside for a second. Now, let's isolate the black family, the black individual, the black community and say how much of that responsibility falls on them to make that difference in their own lives. Yeah, for sure. So there are a growing number of black conservatives who say, I hear from them, and they'll they'll say, David, when you go on these programs and you defend the black community, it feels like you're calling me a helpless victim and that I'm I'm not good enough to to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And I never want to do that. Right. But as Martin Luther King said, how do you tell a man to pull himself up by his bootstraps when he has no boots? Mm -hmm. Um, There are clearly several people who have either worked really hard or had a combination of hard work and, and luck or somehow found a way out and have reached a position of power. More black folks are are seeing more power and more influence and more privilege in our country every day, sure. right? But the fact still remains that if you apply for a job at Jack in the Box or at a financial firm or whatever, and your name is Chad on that on that application, and someone else applies and his name is Darius, you are more likely to get the phone call. So we are seeing discrimination across the board. This is a, there are research studies that show that if if even if race isn't mentioned, if you have an ethnically well, sounding name, did, you're did, less likely to get that job. And let me ask you a question on that. Do you think that is a discrimination based on skin color or discrimination based on culture? The culture. Yeah. Yeah. I, because I agree with that. Because I don't you know, think there are light skin. Sure, there are. Go ahead. Sure, sure they are. And and we're running out of time here. We've got about three more minutes, and I wish we had an hour. And we're going to – I want you back on the show, David, because I always okay. I always love talking to you. The, and that's my question right there. It's it's So there has to be a cultural change. It, it, see, America – I don't see America as a skin – we don't have a skin problem. We have a culture problem, and those cultures clash. And we have a predisposed um, 
sense about those cultures already built into us. And that's every community. The black community thinks the same way about the white community, right? So when I see BLM, well, I think they do. I mean, but you look at BLM that comes in. Do Black Lives Matter? Of course they do. But when it becomes an activist political group that is actually funding white politicians, I have a problem with that when the AP wants to say we're now going to capitalize the word black every time we use it and keep white lowercase. I mean, I see Medgar Evers rolling over in his grave. Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, as you alluded to. I mean, they're, they're trying to segregate again what these men and women marched for and accomplished in 1964. Well, I'll I'll urge you to be careful when you say they, because just like you have Republicans that make you cringe and I have liberals that make me cringe, there are folks in the Black Lives Matter movement that when they hear the extreme fringes say stuff like that, the majority of them also cringe. So they are the extreme. But if you you align yourself with the organization Black Lives Matter, you don't have to go any further than their about statement to see what they stand for. So, well, that's so the there's the words. So the words Black Lives Matter should be said from everybody because sure, they course. do. Uh, but and all lives matter can't matter until Black Lives Matter. And when we see, look back at systemic racism, as you've acknowledged, it hasn't looked as though Black lives have mattered since you know 1874, right? So that's that's part of the problem. But I think that. Um, acknowledging that Black Lives Matter and saying that that money is being funded to white politicians. The reality is, I think those white politicians have better policies that will help the black community more so than conservatives who deny that racism is even a problem at all. So I think it makes sense that if they want to make real change, that you donate to an organization that's going to elect more liberal politicians. That's the best thing for the black community, and that's why that money's going to that organization. Well, my disagreement with that would be that the liberal politicians are going to do, as LBJ said, keep them on the government tit on welfare, and they're going to make sure that they are continually dependent on government programs. Uh, that's the issue that I have versus a Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. He's a character. I get that. But the unemployment was something that Barack Obama, who claims to be the first black president, could not accomplish. Uh, he brought those unemployment numbers down, way, way down. And now we see what's going on with 51 million jobs lost through this coronavirus thing. Dang. You're saying Obama caused job loss? No, he said he couldn't do it. Oh. He said he couldn't do it unless he had a magic oh. wand. So so here so you had a liberal who couldn't do it and you got a conservative that did do it. So I and again, I don't think we have a skin problem. I think we got a culture problem, and that's the deal. We all have some sense of prejudice about us, and that's not just about skin color. David, I appreciate yeah. you. I'm gonna get you back on here, dude, like within <laughs> the next couple of weeks, if you will. I yeah. hate that we're against the time. David C. Smalley, get his show wherever podcasts are offered. I appreciate you, brother. Take care of yourself, all right? Thanks, buddy. See you, buddy. Now, to be fair to David, uh, you know, we could we could debate all day long. You know, his show's like three hours long until you can really dig into the debates. Uh, obviously, you know, he's got a response to what I just said. We're going to get him back on in the next uh, couple of weeks. I always enjoy the discussion. But if you take anything away from that conversation, it's that the left and right, they, they, they're they not that far apart when it comes to the common deal. And I've said it for years. You don't walk into a restaurant and start picking apart somebody's politics. You know, you don't do that. And, and, and I hope we never get to that point, Natalie. I hope so, you too. Know? Because it's we should be able to talk and get along, and it's okay to disagree without that is okay. Just humanly disdaining someone else, you know. 
and making them your mortal enemy. It's okay to disagree, people. Don't be so thin-skinned. Be more like Alan West. Yeah. Be more like Natalie. You're kind of thin-skinned, though, aren't you? No, I'm not. But have you been told, like, if, if you do support Trump, you're autom- people have known me for 15 years automatically think I'm racist. No. All I need to know. I want everybody to come out and see us. Uh, we're in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Comedy Club all week in long. So get your tickets. We're doing multiple shows a night. And we're going to have a good time. Go see Party Foul Steve. He's conspicuously absent today. You know why? He's folding T-shirts. <laughs> Go to watchchad.com. We added a second show next weekend uh, for Tomball, Texas. Cooper Wade and myself, uh, we're going to be there on the 1st and the 2nd of August at District 249. Go check us out. Order a salad over there so they'll you know, stay in code. Blaze TV.com slash Chad. Shout out to the Fact Pack. Love y'all. God bless. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye.